there, film fans. I'm Jeff. And I'm Dave, and welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we challenge one another to discuss movies both new and old with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right, and to avoid lazy negativity, we have decided that this episode about this fucking movie should be a drinking game. Just this one. Never done this Just before. Just this one. Never, ever. So anytime we say anything negative about this film, about each other, about anything else, about life, you're going to hear this sound. That buzz means that we have to take a drink, and I'm going to get us started right now with that. We're going to keep it positive, people. I hope you drink along with us. So pour yourselves a glass and get ready to beat up some hobos. <laughs> All right. So this is part of our should have seen that by now if, if, yeah, series. If you haven't seen the, the title, you'll be like, what the fuck is he talking about? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, this is part of our should have seen that by now series which we started uh not too long ago about movies that we just we just should have seen and we are a podcast where we usually start with how we feel about a movie so for new movies we try to keep it spoiler free and just say like our reaction as opposed to hetty this movie was directed by this person and they have this style and it's like we want to know how you feel so we love this segment because usually one of us has never seen this movie before and the others have so we have sort of like a comparative issue but we're going to start with (laughs) what what's it like to feel so that way we don't get because there's shtick there's stuff that people who just like know about this movie know yeah and so yeah we can incorporate that a little bit but what's what's more interesting is what's it like seeing this for the first time so check out our check out our feed check out the socials check out the link tree that dave set up for us stay in touch if you disagree with anything we said if you agree with anything we said we've had a little but, bit of both lately we've had a little bit of both surprising <laughs> people coming up people coming after us yep. for fucking 1941 and, and spielberg movie we I did mean, was really surprising welcome to everyone who's joined us recently we, we love having you and please stick around there's yes. 100, 110 episodes feel free to go right back through them it gets That's funnier right. the further you go back <laughs> dave do you want to shout out our uh, do you want to shout out our, our sponsors that john usually does but co-host john is not here today <laughs> no i've never listened to it i didn't <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Who's our beer sponsor? I mean, I, I, I Carlos Barroso. I, I almost yes. couldn't make it through the intro for fuck's sake. So, you know, that's the first time I've actually got that right doing John's part. I'd be horrible on Broadway. I'd only know one track. <laughs> I know the swings nowadays, Dave, we need a swing. Um, Okay, yes, Carlos Barroso is our beer sponsor, and all the music you hear at the beginning and end of the podcast is available on SoundCloud. It is by the artist known as Dasein. That's D-A-S-E-I-N. You can find it at soundcloud.com slashed. I added a T in the word slash. Soundcloud.com slash Dasein dash artist. D-A-S-E-I-N dash artist artist sorry carlos people gotta look into our feed to spell your name yeah we've also made it pretty easy on the link tree that we mentioned before if you uh, happen to grab hold of that we can uh, it's on all of our socials the link to that link tree it's got the links to everything dasign carlos everything so yeah episodes on spotify and apple music youtube the lot all right well cue the ludwig van and don't (laughs) shut your glazies it's time to video podcast episode We're talking about a clockwork orange, people. So as we said, usually somebody has not seen this movie. Dave, which one of us has not seen this movie? Uh, it was John. No, no, it's, it's me. It's me. Okay. <laughs> I and, had um, not seen this. And we always ask, for whatever reason, why? Well, I mean, it, it came out in the 70s when I was a child, for a start. Uh, and then I, I just, you know... I just, 
I just never really got around because like I, all, I, all I ever heard about it was like it's hyper violent and strange and and stuff like that. And uh, so I never, ever went back for a revisit because, I mean, we all know anyway, anyone who listens to this show a lot knows I'm I'm not overly impressed with Kubrick. Yeah. So, <laughs> which is funny. Which is funny. I will say, John goes bust me from somewhere. <laughs> the John, yeah. Why did so many buzzes go off? Um, which is funny, Dave, because whenever we've talked about, because you've also said this about Tarantino too, but for whatever reason, the films we've chosen by those two directors, you seem to have liked. We've done Paths of Glory. Yes. We've done Doctor Strange Love. Yeah. I think that's it, right? Two thousand one. Oh yeah, we did two thousand one, of course. Mm-hmm. And you seem yes. to have, you seem to have taken pretty well to all of those. I did, but I, again, it's it's a case of uh, in some of his work. I mean, I, The Shining, I like, but The Shining I like because of Jack's performance. So, mm-hmm. like, is it with Kubrick? It's kind of like, is he a masterful director, or is he just what film school lecturers like to say? This is this is good thing. question. And it, yeah, I think the answer is both. Yeah. To be honest, uh, he's um, he's pulled some wonderful art out of like the film medium. Whether or not this one is that, it, it remains to be seen in this discussion. Because I, this is when I first started watching this, I hated it. Absolutely oh, we're going right it. into it. Great. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Keep going. Let's 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 just go. Uh, White beat around the bush. When I first started watching it, I hated it. First 20 minutes, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh, this is going to be fucking hard work. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, something happens, like something kicks in and it just grabs you. And I'm not sure whether the intention was for you to be bored at no. the beginning. So that I'm when. Sure, I'm sure it was not. <laughs> yeah. But it's, sometimes they do the delivery, they slow the pace down so that when something does happen, you, you're like, it's, it's, a, it's a contrast. So, like, and I don't, I granted, I'm not the biggest fan of old films as such because you know I'm into the Marvel and the Spider-Man and all that sort of stuff. I'm I'm the I'm the person that drank the mainstream Kool Aid and lost all my creativity. But uh, in this case, it was there was a lot of creativity went into it, but it was just I don't know it it didn't quite get there for me for most of it because most of the time I'm just sitting there going, this is just really fucking weird. <laughs> Are you buzzing yourself? I saw your hand go. Come on. Get, yeah, there it is. Oh, that was me. Um, okay, cool. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. First of all, I, I also love that you're Australian in this because this is, this was, everybody always loves to talk about like the societal implications of this movie. And a lot of that was UK and US. There's a, a, a dispute with the publishers and the author of the novel that I'll talk about a little bit. Um, oh, that I didn't know. Great. I'm ha- I'll be happy to fill you in on that. Um, and and the 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 cultural sensation of it, even now, mm. decades later, for some reason, seems to take over the conversation. So I'm really happy that that yeah. Even I mean, though you didn't it, to be honest, the film, like, if I can sum this up in one one quick what if, it's, it'd be like what if Tarantino directed Blade Runner. Pretty interesting, much. interesting, like, interesting, futuristic, futuristic tone. Uh, and I'm talking about Blade Runner that has the voiceover in it, not the final cut. <laughs> Except uh, Blade Runner and Tarantino, they would have paid their actors for their voiceover. 
<laughs> I buzzed Dave. That was for me. Oh, what? That's, that's it. That's it. If you if you know the Clockwork Orange stories, this is another one of those stories that people know and love. Is that um, uh, Malcolm McDowell did two weeks of voiceover, and they only paid him for one, and Kubrick just w- refused to pay him for the other one for no reason. He could have afforded it because he just did two thousand one. He's an asshole. Mm. I mean, there was a, there was a lot of stuff where he kind of went he backstepped and went low budget on this, like the lighting for one. Like they deliberately went oh, yeah. with almost a film school setup. And okay, let's okay. So we're we're gonna circle back to everything you say. Let, let me set this up for all of the the sticky people who want to know my part of this really quick. As the person who who has stu- literally studied this, so I I had seen this movie on TV. It was confusing, but I'd heard of it. And then when I was in college, I was studying theater, so not film or anything. But then I I took my upper level class that I had to take was literary film adaptations. So we would read the source material of stuff and then watch the film and talk about how it was adapted. And you finally and get to use it. I finally get to fucking use it. I will say, out of all of them, this is the one that I remember the most from that. We did a lot of good ones. We did The Killing, which also was a Kubrick uh, movie. Um, the Ernest Hemingway. I think it was what, one of Kubrick's firsts. I hope that's right. God, I hope I didn't just fuck that up. Roast us online if I'm wrong about that. But this is the one that stayed with me the most. And the funniest thing is that this, this... Kubrick is actually praised for this, believe it or not, because it is supposedly, I'm going to put air quotes from our audio listeners. This is supposedly his most faithful adaptation of the source material out of all of the movies that he's adapted, which is not that many. Um, I I don't know anything about Lolita and I'm kind of, I'm not going to watch the movie. So if that's the answer, sure. I I can't be on a watch list. I'm not watching that. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Um, And obviously The Shining, Stephen King hated it. But, you know, some people would say it's sort of faithful. But the book readers, would you say The Shining is faithful? Till the end, which is completely different. But Right. Similar in this. Okay, cool. So Alex Burgess, who wrote the novel A Clockwork Orange, um, originally said this movie was unfilmable. And also, he has very high personal stakes in this because the author of the book witnessed his wife get raped and um, she it eventually led to her death. I don't know the circumstances well enough to talk more about that. But in essence, he is autobiographically in this movie mm. as the writer and who ends up in the wheelchair. That is, you know, sort of him a little bit. And then he originally was very praising of this film so there are literally interviews of him saying like i can't believe he captured you know the essence the the milk bar and just the the behavior the language he made it all very accessible so kudos so there's so people think that alex burgess the writer of the novel likes the movie and believed it was a faithful adaptation and a lot of the scenes really are pulled right out of the book and into the screen however they up some ages a little bit just to make it socially acceptable but yeah for this episode, I'm holding this up for our visual learners. I reread the beginning and the end of this book, including the author's notes. And this is a publication from the 80s. And he literally, Alex Burgess literally says he hates this fucking movie so much. So he's literally contradicting what he said in the 60s. And uh, I guess this movie came out in the 70s. So in the 70s, mm. he hates this fucking movie. He hates that he's known for this book because it's one of his least favorite books that he wrote. And he actually says in the notes, don't watch the movie or don't read the book but whatever you do don't do both like that's how much he hates the movie wow. and the the biggest reason is the ending which we'll get to later but kubrick has this thing this is sort of my thesis on this and we'll cover all of this ground because i want to get to the movie and your watching experience that's way more interesting than this kind of shit but um essentially the book is 100% through alex's point of view which the movie is except and i said this about tarantino that's why i brought him up before 
Kubrick is always the lead in his own movies. And that is part of the reason that I think, you know, people get a little, they go like, oh, it's hoity-toity because he, he's being egotistical with a lot of his movies. He is, he's, he's in every frame. The book is just a sociological drama. It's just about Alex and the original ending, which is not in the American print, the American mm-hmm. publishers literally removed a chapter. Wow. Yeah. He, he had this idea of 21. He thought 21 was adulthood. So there's 21 chapters, seven, seven, and seven. It's broken into three parts of seven. And the American publisher just removed part seven of the end, which is Alex going back to the milk bar and seeing the gang and realizing he's just bored of it. And that was the journey that um, Alex Burgess wanted Alex to go on, is mm. that it's, it's really youth and this fascination that culture has with youth and a lot of it came from world war ii and korea and eventually you know vietnam where where we would send young people off to die because we just we we took advantage of their anger their aggression their fervor and obviously he had a personal gang you know the the rape experience with his wife so he really just wanted to to study the Mm. sociology of that and then along comes kubrick who's like full anti-establishment and has a massive problem with Ding, like, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. So, and, and that is in this book for sure. But the point is Alex. The point is the, the youth. Kubrick 100% takes this and he takes the sociological aspect of it and he tricks you. He thinks that's what this movie is. But by the end, you realize all he's doing is making a geopolitical, maybe a sociopolitical, if you want, statement. Mm. And, and he's essentially, this is my thesis. And again, we'll, we'll maybe come back to this at the end. We've, the people who beat fascism which again is why it's funny that, that you're from Australia and I'm curious about your point of view with this. The people who beat fascism created a new form of fascism in Stanley Kubrick's mind. And that form of fascism, as you can see by the end of this movie, is the, the liberals, the writer and his friends who, who drug him, they use Alex for their political gain, while the minister, literally the prime minister, is using Alex for their political gain too. And he, they jail you know, political dissidents and stuff. So... We think we're living in a democracy, but it's really just a new form of fascism. And, and that is what Kubrick is doing. Yeah. And I think that is what is driving the it's, author of yeah. this insane. It's literally, literally just different groups trying to use someone to gain power and hold on to it. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So even though it's a faithful, that, that's probably what drives him the most insane, is a lot of the scenes are directly pulled. And yet, for some reason, it just, it's just a total mindfuck. It's, and it's total, like, yeah, and it's, a, it's a faithful adaptation, but the message is somehow different. And maybe you're listening at home and you think that makes Kubrick even more brilliant that he can do that. Certainly the book writers hate it, but maybe we love and him more because the writers hate it. I wouldn't disagree on that either. I, um, I yeah. wouldn't. Okay. So I'm going to pull back my cloak about just, I, I, I read all of the stuff about this movie and it's, it's interesting. What's more interesting for me is somebody watching this cold. So let's go to you. You talked about the original part boring you. Well, I wrote down really quick the, what, what this movie opens with. It opens with the iconic shot of Alex's face pulling away in the milk bar where everybody's just kind of posing. They immediately beat the shit out of a homeless man for almost no, for, for, for no reason. No reason. Th- then they go back to the bar. They actually in the book, they rob a candy store. And then pretty quickly, maybe 10 minutes in, they're gang raping. So you said the first 10 minutes was boring. <laughs> yeah, it kind of was. It was, it, it was just, I mean, yeah, maybe the first 10 minutes up until that point but even even that kind of i was just like yeah like they didn't really do anything special in those those first few minutes it was literally just gratuitously setting the scene over and over again and like every anyone who says this is hyper violent 
I I've seen much worse than this in a PG rated thing like these these days. It's, it's like just if you want a quick thing in 1971 when there was this was released or 72 I think it was um it was rated X. Mm-hmm. In 2000 it was re-released because they had it pulled. Uh so it was pulled from distribution for uh, what Kub- eight, 18 years? Yeah, Kubrick pulled Kub- it. Kubrick pulled it. Yeah, cuz everyone started da- fucking died, imitated he- it. He died in um, 99 and then they re-released it in 2000. And then they re-released it, yeah, in 2000 and it's ra- it was rated 18 in the UK. Which is rated and, R in America, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a societal barometer for you right there. Yeah. Like, but again, the, the violence that's, that's in it isn't overly violent and there is a lot of nudity, I guess, uh, in like the attack scenes. And I guess that's what what makes them punch a little bit, but I don't know. It's this, this does hold like a lot of firsts though. Yeah. Like there was the first, they, they, they use zoom lens machinery for like the first time in this. They, they use radio mics for the first time in this. Um, sure. So it's got a lot of technological firsts. Uh, and it, I guess that was the first time like busting out the radio mics. That's, that's a big one. Yeah. There were a couple of things. And what wasn't a lot of that, well, some some of it was because they had to record live, right? So yeah. they, they they couldn't rely on voice, even though they did voiceovers. For some reason, I forget. Did you did you find that? I found something about the reason that the audio had to be the way it was was that it was recorded live. Also, they this was surprisingly low budget, considering this was a novel that had been mm. tossed around by a couple of different directors and then came out. Which is why you said the student film thing. Apparently, they were putting the camera on on wheelchairs as dollies. Yeah. Do so you think you yeah. could have made this? Yeah, like you could you could have filmed this the way that they, in some I cases. Mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. This again, it was like short of finding the locations. There was nothing overly creative about any of it, but there was. And I think <laughs> yeah. a lot of that. I think a lot of that stems from the performance. Like I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to like pick the man's brain and see if he deliberately went that far back and that like that simple to make it so stark. Mm. To make it like, because you don't, you don't want a subtle, nice picture when this sort of shit's happening. This is the vicious future. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, was it an active decision? And I know, I know, some of it was that he was just tired of working with like all the technology and crap that they and the the big budget stuff they did on 2001. He wanted to get back to simple. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't. I'm this one is. I'm so mixed on this one. Yeah, I'm it's so mixed. Right? I I love it and hate it. I think that's. So this is so okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to figure out how to mine you for all of this that you're saying. But that is, I think that's where everybody's at. And I think part of the reason that I, I really hope, in a way, that a lot of the people who love this film also at least felt that way. Yeah, <laughs> I well, don't know I if mean, they still feel that way, but like I will, I will say it, it, it's like it's definitely high satire. There is yeah, def- exactly there is like when they get into the point where he starts poking fun at the the government, and the institutions. It's it's all there, but it does he does it with way more subtlety than like Strange Love, but it really yeah. makes you work for it to get there. 100%. So that, like when you finally get there, it's it's very easy to miss that it's going on unless you you know what he's doing. And I'm happy to say I picked up on that one yeah. at least because so, like, he really pokes fun at the government in this. Oh god, and that's and that that's what that's what he's going after, right? This is before The Shining, but this is right after. So Lolita's like 61, 62, Strange Love 64. 2001 is 68 in which was clearly the space race was going on and stuff. So like he's very clearly making government issues. That's why the whole moon landing thing's funny. I would love for him to have done that. I just don't see him cooperating with the government. Oh you know my what I God. Mean? No, 
Like it's <laughs> I, everybody who's I really I, I it would be really fun if he did that, but there's no way that he would do it. He would have faked it, and then he would have said, "I faked this. America sucks." Like yeah. there's no way that there's no like way. there's no way that would have been kept a secret if he did that. It, it would have been in her, in a biography somewhere. This is this is a guy who pretended to be best friends with with Malcolm McDowell, who's still in his twenties, and he had only been in one like big role. I forget what the movie was called, where he was like a crazy teenage. It's called If, maybe. Um, mm. And he pretended to be best friends with him. They were like playing ping pong together. And then as soon as he rapped, like basically never talked to him again. Like psychological fuckhead. And yeah, that's not the same. <laughs> that's not the same thing as messing with like NASA. <laughs> it's also during the Red Scare, right? This is during McCarthyism. Mm. And even though Kubrick, I mean, he was born thank in God York, he got he McDowell because McDowell really did help make this. Like, I mean, what yeah. for holding holding your attention for those slow pullouts? Like, yeah. if you had anyone else, they may not have pulled it off. You know what's really funny too, and it, and you know this is another one of those things with Kubrick. That this is these the, the reason we go back to these films time and time again is not just that they're brilliant, but because there's so many questions that we mm. think we've answered them, and then we go back and then we're just asking new questions, and we don't know any of the answers yeah. to any of these things. Anyway, they Malcolm it's, it's McDowell like, says it's like every season of Lost, you get a couple of answers and six more questions every time you watch a Kubrick film. Yes, <laughs> Malcolm McDowell has said. Stanley and I talked about how we were making a comedy. So the question is, did Stanley Kubrick really think he was making a comedy or was he fucking with Malcolm McDowell because he thought that would get a better performance out of him or at least the one that he wanted? But deep down, Kubrick knew that what he was going for wasn't dark comedy. I don't know. I don't know. But I know that there's only like one time in this movie that I laughed. You know, maybe people laughed at the ending scene with the the mouth popping open, which has been debated a million times, too. We'll get to that. But the only scene that I laughed is when he comes home after the prison and he's talking to his mom and dad. (laughs) And then he leans over his dad in the weirdest way for somebody who's out of prison and is trying to make amends with his family. And he goes, hey, uh, dad, um, there's a oh, my God, what's the what's the line he says? What's the line? There's a. There's a strange fellow sitting on the couch there next to mom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> yeah. like that scene made me laugh. But other than I, that, I liked when they were trying to they were doing the paperwork for his transfer. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that yeah. was ridiculously comical as well. That kind of reminded me of Strange Love in a way, where you had the George, yeah. you know, where the yeah. George C. Scott scenes and stuff. Um, just just a quick thought because you said about uh, I can't remember what you said about like what his thoughts were. Could you imagine pitching this today? Like trying to pitch this movie today, like you'd be sitting in a you sit in a boardroom and someone would be like, "So, what's the intended market?" And Cooper could just pull out a gun and fucking shoot the marketing guy. Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> I'm buzzing you just because we have to get our buzz count up. But um, how many people? If okay, how about this? This is a better question. If this is 2022, if this movie came out today, how many people would be canceled from this movie? I don't think this movie would get made today. There'd yeah. be too too many people sitting there going, "What's what's the return on this?" Like that's the, and that's the why these films exist in the seventies because they were just letting these guys go, yeah. go and make whatever you want to make, make like and but in this day and age, you have got so many producers and marketing people hovering over you. This yeah. can't be made now. Yeah. Okay. There's so much to talk about. So let let's let's stick with Alex for a second. So Alex hmm. is such an interesting character. Um, we see. With the watch drawer. Also, the, the music thing's funny. I mean, it, in the book, all he does is talk about the Ludwig van too. But yeah. he in this movie, they definitely they definitely kind of oversell like the pomp of like 
a cultured person that that only knows one smart thing and then just beats it to every time they're in a conversation. Do you ever have that where somebody like always turns the conversation to the one thing that they know just to yes. try to sound smart? So in a way, Alex is that with Ludwig van and with the Ninth Symphony. Symphony. I do that has. all the time on this show. What are you talking about? Who does it? Am <laughs> 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 I might even being buzzed here? So Alex. Um, they open the watch drawer, and you see he has a lot of watches. He has a nice house, nice family. Um, oh, he's a watch but, guy. Yeah, they, but he beats <laughs> the shit out of this homeless man with his other droogs, and they're wearing the masks and everything. And again, this is all about like youth and aggression, and you know. Um, and they rob the man. Actually, in the book, it's really funny. They rob the man, and then they go to the bar and they buy everybody around. So everybody thinks they're heroes and then they go and beat the shit out of the guy at the candy store and then go back to the bar. And when the cops show up, they're like, what? Like everybody's like, no, they're nice guys. They just bought everybody around. They were here with us. They <laughs> didn't, he didn't rob the store. So it was actually a tactic in the book, but unfortunately for time they had to, the original cut of this movie mm. was four hours. So I imagine yeah, they, yeah. they had to chop that down, but they robbed people, but they didn't need to is sort of the point of that. Yeah. Um, it was about the chaos, but there's no villain. Obviously Alex is the hero and the villain. He's a, proper anti-hero um talk to me a little bit about what you thought about alex's journey obviously you like the performance but i did like the performance um for a minute there i couldn't follow his journey because i didn't know where this was going i didn't look up anything at all i went in completely cold um and then finally like when the betrayal happens because i i feel like i can blow that now because like you know we're we're safe it's been what 40 50 years 50 years yeah um (laughs) When, oh, we didn't. We that, didn't celebrate the fiftieth anniversary of a Clockwork Orange. That's so oh, crazy. Yeah. It's it's yeah. <laughs> I didn't um, see it at the at the drive-throughs. Yeah. <laughs> when like when the betrayal happens and he gets sent to prison, it was kind of like, all right, how is someone like him gonna like get by in prison? And it was completely like they turn it on its head, and it's completely opposite of what you expect him to behave like once he's incarcerated. How's and that? I felt that was a good little journey, like he because he's not. In prison, he's he's well behaved and he's yeah. got discipline and he's got a routine and yeah, it was kind of like, was he just acting out because he had no direction in life? And you know what? To that, that's a pretty parents. faithful adaptation of the book. And it's not mm. even, I, I don't remember the the parents in the book, but but that's not the point, right? We're, like we shouldn't be shitting on the parents and their parenting, right? I don't think we're, I don't think the, the book or the movie are trying to No, you can opposed. shit on bad parents. <laughs> but I, I think, I think it actually makes it stronger if it's not the parents' fault that Alex is this way. If, if, if it, it's either the society's fault for taking advantage of youth, we're, we obsessed with youth, right? How many, po- mm. Madonna, when was the last time you gave a shit about Madonna? Like she's still Madonna, but we care more about Ariana Grande and in 10 years, we'll care more about the next Who? person, right? Exactly. Get the date. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, but yes, I I I also love that. Oh wait, she Alex was in Don't Look Up. She was in, and she's <laughs> going to be nominated for an Oscar if that hasn't come out yet. Um, okay. Antihero comes back afterwards. Pretty interesting. I'm sure we'll circle back to him. So an- another thing that gets talked about a lot is the the view of women, which is really tricky in a first person narrative where the guy is a delinquent or I'll just say the guy sucks, mm. <laughs> even though we like him. So all of the women are going to be through his point of view. But is that enough? D- d- is it? Can you imagine a fe- somebody of the female persuasion watching this movie and being like, man, these women, they did not write kindly to these women. <laughs> what do you think? I, I No, I could, that's exactly how that would be interpreted by a modern audience, that's for sure. Like, there, there is, the women are all, all objects. Yeah. 
to be possessed or taken. And that, I mean, that is, that is also on purpose, but also, yeah, you know. And Kubrick didn't give a fuck about this kind of stuff. And, and maybe that's a problem. I mean, it was I, the seventies. A lot of people didn't. True. It's true. A lot of those movies came out in the seventies. I mean, we've, we've covered a lot of them. Live and Let Die was 70s, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm just, I'm buzzing you because I know what you mean. Get out of here. I just posted to somebody in a franchise thing where they voted um, Harry Potter the number one franchise. I was like, we did this too. We were going to include Bond, but then we watched the entire. Uh, I'll buzz myself. Sorry. Okay. Oh my gosh, myself. I'll buzz myself. Um, okay. You, you suck at these controls. I'm not good. Fuck. You're supposed to be in charge of these controls. Okay. So um, I just wanted to say that that. As soon as I watched the threesome scene and sped up with... Is that William Tell? Yes. Yeah. This is William Tell, That's right? the 1812 overture, yeah. It just goes on and on and on and on. And oh my God, and it's obviously sped up. Now, yeah, keep in mind that, yeah, that was that was like a 27-minute take. Yes, that's what that's the first thing I thought. I was like, yeah. please tell me he didn't I, do 100 takes of this. Because those no, girls they was, are like, they I'm just done. Let I'm never- it, they, yeah, they just let it go and go in t- for like 27 minutes. Hopefully it was one and done for those girls. Although, you know what was... Also, yes, you're right. In the book, it was supposed to be 10-year-old girls and a 15-year-old Alex that gets raped. Another reason why the, the writer thought this was unfilmable, but Kubrick mm. decided to be empathetic and make Alex 17 and make the girls have... Consensual is not the right word, because those girls didn't seem... It wasn't the... I don't know. It didn't seem like they were thrilled with the, the sexual interaction. But anyway, I digress. Let's get let's get into the singing in the rain scene. Are you ready to dive into the singing in the rain oh. scene? Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, th- well, this is important because I mean that is an important plot point, and also it's, the it's, only song he knew apparently. It's in the book, and and now that you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you didn't even know, you didn't even know Beethoven's ninth really. That that like actor Malcolm McDowell. Um, Kubrick spent four days on this scene, which means that the the lady getting raped, and and again. The writer of this, we know that that Kubrick didn't give a fuck about Stephen King when he adapted The Shining. We know that. Mm. The writer of this, 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 something similar happened to him, where he witnessed the wife's, you know, and then that's why he wrote the book. So there's a little bit more care. I don't know. Maybe that's the wrong way of of phrasing that. But in the scene, what what was it like to watch the scene for the first time? Were you aware that the scene was coming up? No, nope. you had no idea the scene was coming up. Um, and it, to be honest, they they played it a little too much, almost comedically. They thought they were in a comedy, or at least that's yeah. what Kubrick wanted, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, the, the singing and a little bit of violence, and then they start ripping the dress, and it it just did, that whole scene didn't sell for me. That was a miss. Really? Because that's like, that's like... <clears throat> No, no, go ahead. yeah, it's fine. One of one of the scenes that gets talked about the most is this scene. Of course, the fact that he's singing "Singing in the Rain," which is this iconic song. It's just like not bucolic. It is, it is pure joy. The song. Mm. It's just he's he's loving that he's in the rain because <laughs> he's in love. It's sung by kids, Gene Kelly. You know, like, and then Gene they, Kelly they was do that. Pissed about he this was, too. He was pissed. Riley. Yeah, that's the story is that he saw Malcolm McDowell at a, at a party and Malcolm McDowell wanted to go up and say hi to him. And he like shrugged and like stomped away and refused to talk to him. Yeah. Um, fuck. I actually thought when I heard about the copycat crimes, I thought the copycat cr- crime was the way that they got in the house. Oh, my gosh, my friend's bleeding to death. It's a matter of life and death. I thought that was going to be the copycat crimes, that people were breaking into homes that way. They were but dressing they- like them, too. 
it was the dressing and and apparently yeah. there were there were gang there were gang rapes where people sang singing mm. in the rain yeah yep no uh, i saw i mean they're, they're still dressing like them also i saw some guys in the looney tunes movie Oh yes, we talked about this in in Space <laughs> yes. Jam. In Space Jam, the the new one, the the Pepe Le Pew got Pepe Le Pew got cancelled because of his and libido. The droogs are in there, and the droogs are in the background. You and and then our friends at Matt and Mark. Oh my and gosh! Now, yes. now, yeah, now it's like that makes sense. That was probably not appropriate. Oh my gosh! Well, so that's like that's the scene, and then of course the scene where he gets caught is the same in the book where he breaks into the female artist's mm-hmm. house and she won't let him in, so he breaks in through the window, and of course. To Kubrick's credit, he is aware of his treatment of women and this 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 accidental death, you know, this this manslaughter does, that becomes does that make death it worse is done with a no 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 no. But that's that's the literally what it is, both in the book and the movie, is done with a penis. It's done with a giant cock. And that's definitely respect out of the the male instrument is the product of a lot of violence. It's a lot of this violence. And I what's was really weird wondering is, where you were going with that. I'm glad I let that go. <laughs> I'm, I'm usually jokey and chippy and stuff, but today I'm trying to be, I'm trying to keep it together for our, our friends listening who just want to spend more time with this, this movie that they just can't get enough of. They need more clockwork orange conversation. And as the book reader here, I want to give it to them because the lady basically says like, don't touch the penis. It's a beautiful work of art. And he kills her with it. And it's like, clearly there are bigger implications about that, where society is both loving male youth, especially in 1971, especially in 1962, when the original book mm. was written and published in England. And it, and ah, it leads, 62. And it leads okay. I was, was going to wonder. The I, of women, I was going to ask not when the book was fault. written. Yeah, 62, I think, was the British I, release. I was wondering, did the punk movement have any influence in it? But no. It was, it was no, not, pre- not really. Not really. Punk. I was wondering about Vietnam because it was kind of starting then, but um, but yeah. So it's it's not blaming women. It's not saying they did this to themselves because they had the the cock around. It's it's more of societal implications. But essentially, it all comes down to the penis is the worst thing that's ever happened to the world. <laughs> not not Eve eating the apple. Sorry, I'm <laughs> anyway. All right, so we got through. Leading up until their arrest, I'd like I think. to welcome all our new feminist listeners. <laughs> also, the scene—I I mean, this, how good is the scene? Which definitely looks like it was a student film, the best student film ever. Which is where he yeah. beats the shit out of his friends for no reason and then throws them into the ravine. Not the best flight choreography. Not the best like shooting. The lighting was pretty shitty, but like that scene was pretty fun, right? Yeah, that. I mean, there was a lot of stuff in this. Like I said, I, that, that's why I'm so conflicted because I both love and hate this film. Like, right. I'm never going to watch it again. Well, let's this is get not there. this is not something you have in your collection to pull down and you know have a party with your friends. I'm with you. That's why when you recommended this film, I was like, "Fuck!" But I read the book, so if, there, if we're doing this, I gotta I gotta step up. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's get into part two. Part two of of book and movie is he's in prison. Hmm. He gets arrested. He he thought he was gonna get away because there's just some violence. And also, I should say that the dialogue in both the movie and the book is really interesting. That for some reason, the dialect makes it more accessible. For some reason, you live in the dystopia with the dot. So when he says the old in out in out, that doesn't sound like rape, but it is in most it of is. the cases. Yeah. Um, uh, what's another one that I wrote down? Oh, just the old the old ultra violence. Like it sounds kind of like yeah, you know, yeah, fuck. But it's mm. they they mean 
they really beat the shit out of people. Also, brilliant, before we get into this, that they stop a rape. These guys stop a rape. They stop other guys from, from raping this girl, but it wasn't about the girl. Like, it's... Uh, yeah, it was man, about... Their, it was, yeah, their motivations are all fucked up. Oh, like, my God, it's tough, yeah. But anyway, then he goes to jail, and I think this is where the movie starts to pick up a little bit for you. Yes, right? yes, okay, it is. Okay, so let's, let's talk about it, because the, the jail characters, you could tell that the the main, I don't want to call him the foreman, but the person who's with him the most in the jail, he definitely took his job very seriously, whether it's the actor or the person. Um, and, it, and I think Kubrick definitely wanted him to be comedic with that. Do you answer this way? Yes, sir. And it, it, they turn into sort of a comedy. So talk to yeah. me a little bit about the jail and why was this the part of the movie where you really started to lean in? Um, I think it was because his his demeanor was such a contrast to what had happened before. So okay. he went kind of from chaos to a little bit of order and it he was being polite and he was being nice. And I was like, where is he going with this? Like suddenly there was a little bit of intrigue there to hold mm-hmm. your interest. It wasn't just group, like violence and rape and everything presented for the viewing audience. Like there was a little bit of subtext in there finally. And I, I think that's what I'm looking for in this. Um, Cause I, this had been blown up so much in my mind over the years about right. this is like a, a, a fantastic film. I was, I was just expecting a little more, subtext and subtly and it there wasn't anything in the first like act of it basically until he gets right. to the prison and then suddenly you're like what's going on here and then he signs up for like he hears about the special treatment and immediately signs up for it yeah and that's when things get really fucking freaky i love too that it was his choice and not mm. only was it his choice but the, the but he had to really fight for it yeah and it was like did he want to be fixed or did he just want to get out? Is one of the big questions that comes out of that. It's like, did he really want to? Yeah. Because I, think I, know, I feel I think like that's answered. I feel like that's answered at the I, end. I, I think Kubrick answered it. And I, I yeah. Yeah. He answered that. Yeah, question, he, but that's he just certainly. wanted out. Yeah. But um, like when we get to the treatment, like the prison itself was fun. Um, but when we get to the actual like treatment part of it, the Ludovico, like when, when they yeah. get the eyes open. Oh, dude, when they get to the eye openers, I'm like, I'm out. I can't do nothing to do with the eyes. Fuck off. That's hard. Nope. Yeah, re- no, a, I'm out. A, I am a, out. My eyes were watering watching this. Fuck this real, shit. That's yeah. a real doctor, yeah. It was, yes. Um, But then they, like, they put him through the process and it's this guy who was, like, raping and killing people at the beginning of the film. You begin to feel sorry for him. Isn't that, isn't that annoying? That's a hell annoying. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Why are you making me feel like this for this guy? Like, and he, cause he's like, I've had enough. I had enough. I had enough. And they're like, no, you've still got like six days to go. You're good. And you're like, no, let him go. And it's like, oh no, wait, no, fuck him up. And I'm so <laughs> conflicted. Like this movie made me angry. It yeah. made me so angry. <laughs> yeah. Did you, wait, did like, you notice? What do you want me to feel Stanley? Fuck you. Did you, did you notice <laughs> that when he was in the library, when he was like, doing he was getting into the ludovico did you notice that he was wearing to show that he was in captivity and that he wasn't on library and real he had a red um not patch he had a red like like sleeve edition thing around i did his, see that yes yeah very very nazi right it was very nazi which is funny because he's in prison that was the first place my brain went of course, I, I think yeah. they definitely were laying it on thick, but they didn't mention it or anything. You didn't no. say like, oh, put this on. You yeah, just no. happened to be wearing it. Because yeah, then all the, I'm saying this because all the Ludovico scenes, a lot of them were about Nazi Germany as that they're the great villains. 
mm. which is the great we're not them so therefore I'm, we're automatically the good guys i must admit once i adjusted to the like the treatment side of it i started having some comical thoughts as we moved on like the theater of good. humiliation when they do yeah. That I was like, this is the weirdest Ren Fair show they're I've plotting, ever seen. They're plotting yes. that he has like a heart attack when a naked woman walks out. They're like, yeah. yes, stay away from that vagina. And then and then she bows. She bows <laughs> naked, like, fully naked. Yeah, so She's yeah, I've bowing, done my work yeah. here. Yeah. How about the camera work on that? I know it's so simple, but just the point of view where he's looking up to her and they're uh-huh. kind of staring towards the lights, but there's no lens flare, and it's just it's like. Really yeah. stunning stuff. That was, was yeah, definitely that done was with good. Stanley Kubrick, like holding a camera on the ground. Like <laughs> nothing special about it. We've how all they been there. <laughs> well, a bunch of men in suits I've, like clap. Yeah, I've yeah. I've laid on the ground in some very, very despicable places to get a shot. <laughs> I, I can relate. <laughs> oh yeah. You, I've been a part of some of those and yeah, I'm, uh, I'm I'm surprised I'm, I don't I'm have proud. black lung. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna mention any of them. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Okay, cool. But so just yeah, just for, for one thing though, when we get when we get to uh like when he goes back to the house mm-hmm. he gets out and he's he's going he's put through all this like humiliation like his friends are now cops in a position of power like what used to be the gang is now in a position of power over him and so they're like brutally beating him and stuff like that and he ends up running into the house that he'd been to before and the guy's there in his wheelchair and he starts like getting angry and shouting at him and stuff did it come across a little rocky horror for you was a dark house in the middle of the night and a rainstorm yeah. and no definitely both times, like, i mean just when yeah. he's out just, both times when he's outside in the rain and you just see the lot it's his home right mm. and you just see that and then he runs in yeah for sure it was definitely a little rocky horror for me but did you know that darth vader was that strong the fuck are you talking about oh my god <laughs> julian who plays the old man in the wheelchair's assistant who carries him in his wheelchair oh, up yes. and down the stairs is David Prowse, who's the body of Darth Vader. I did not recognize him at all. You didn't recognize him without the, the black mask over himself and James Earl Jones's voice? Mm, <laughs> that's just for being a dick. <laughs> I've seen photos of the man. I didn't recognize him. No, I was just looking. I was like, did anybody else from this movie? Because Malcolm McDowell is has been typecast. He's still typecast, and it's 50 years later. He doesn't look anything like that anymore. And I was like, is anybody else? Anybody else? David Prowse. David Prowse. That I was like, what the fuck? No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 100% David Prowse. There you go. Hmm. Okay, so now we're in part three of the movie, which is when he gets out. And this is where to see if, like, the behaviorism, the um, aversion therapy, you know, all of this shit that was, like, classical training cult stuff like to see if it works and again the point of the book here is to to investigate you know are all kids bad what is is it that we obsess with youth and we let kids oh boys will be boys like that kind of conversation was the point of the book the movie is way more about the especially at this point especially in part three it's way more about the societal implications the government implications of this so as we get into that it gets really interesting right when he's at the house and you know that it's the house and he knows it's the house, but yeah. the old guy doesn't realize it at first. Well, no, he doesn't know it's the house either. He's just in a panic and looking for anywhere. Like, he doesn't... I thought he said, like, oh, it." then I realized that the, the sign was familiar. I thought he says that. Yeah, while... but not at first. He, he's in the place before he recognizes okay. anything. But he's, yeah. he's in there. It's like, right? That's why he's like... Yeah, and he's like, don't worry. He never saw my face. We wore masks. Exactly. But then he, then he starts what singing. What an idiot! <laughs> yes. What a fucking idiot! What and I'm sure, a dickhead. I'm sure Kubrick... Uh, obviously what a dickhead but also what an idiot that he sings singing in the rain you know what i mean like yeah well i mean i'm sitting there and i'm thinking 
you fucking idiot. Like you, you, hopefully, you know where you are. And it, and this is another one of those it, fucking it was one things. Of the, was one of the, it was one of those things where like he's in the house, he's like raped this guy's wife, and she's killed herself, and now he's come back there for help knowing the guy won't recognize him because he wore a mask and he's in the bathtub and he's singing and you're like, oh no. And it's like, no, no, kill this guy. Like, it's, it makes you, like, at first you're like, oh shit, no, he's in trouble. I think and you feel the, for him. The reason and we come back to Kubrick and I'm sure that John would have a different answer than me because you and I know our co-host John, but the reason we come back to him is, do you, there's always the question, is that the most brilliant thing ever? Or is that the dumbest fucking thing ever? Why is he singing, singing in the rain in the house that he raped the woman singing, singing in the rain? There's every other song. Should that, I guess you could say, well, it wasn't a traumatic experience for him. He barely remembered it. He did it a million times, whatever the reason is that he would do this. Why is he singing in a bathtub with a person that's helping him? Why is he singing full Acoustics, volume? Dude, I'm a bathroom. singer. I'm a singer. And I would never just sing in somebody else's house in the shower. Like I just wouldn't do that. Um, but maybe that's part of the point is that people are fucking idiots. And that one way or yeah. another, one way or another, these idiot kids, which I guess in a way is most of us, but we're going to fuck it up. <laughs> we're going to fuck it up. Um, so the wine scene with the pasta, pretty fun, right? That was fun. That was, that was powerful. Like, and the old man shaking. Oh my God. He reminded yeah, me he of uh, Breaking Bad, right? The, the, Dude, I had a, remind you of the Breaking Bad guy. I had a math teacher like that in high school. It was amazing. Every time you pissed him off, he'd get the shakes. <laughs> I'm oh, surprised no. you didn't like beat us to death with dusters. There was something going on there. Were you Alex in high school a little bit? When <laughs> no, you saw I was the not, shakes no. like, oh. I, Okay, maybe a little bit. But <laughs> maybe you were more. This is the second movie this week that we watched with a Georgie boy in it. Because one of the sidekicks <laughs> is Georgie boy. We just watched Power of the Dog. Um, mm. But. The old man figures it out, obviously, he was singing in the rain, and he has those, that weird, like, classic, like, his face looks like it's going to blow up from yeah, surprise. Yeah, he looks like he's kind of sidestepped into the movie Scanners for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, and that kind of little, like, sequence going back and forth between singing in the rain and him freaking out is very Kubrickian, right? That, like, mm. psychological, like, terror yeah. has been ripped off ever since. Um, did it surprise you? when you found out that the old man was so, he was more committed to his political ambitions, his drive to dethrone this authoritarian government than to kill the person who raped his, his wife. Did that surprise not, you? Not at all. And why is that? Because he was portrayed as a person who lived in luxury and was rich yeah. in a society where there are definitely two different class values. Yeah. And those people are in these scenarios invariably corrupt. Even somebody who was stripped away from like almost all of it, his morality. If you look at it from Kubrick's point, though, like he's he he sees anyone who's involved in like the high level, like basically political aspects, as at some point corrupt. Even if they were, we don't really know what their ambitions were. They just they were anti this government, which in a way yeah. is the right position to be. So he was willing to sacrifice everything to depose that government. God, it's so interesting. Yeah, yeah that that's true. You're hundred percent right. Maybe that is, and I guess in a way that is his fatal flaw, right? That's that character's mm. fatal flaw. Because I mean, I don't know if it was entirely his idea. I feel like other people helped him get there because he wasn't in this alone. Right. So then, um, they, but they that try... scene where he's trying to, like, where he's like, try the wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's literally trying anything to not drink that wine. Yeah. That was a good one for me. I, that, the, like, I was glued to the television at that point. Me too. 
that was really, really tense. So it was tense as fuck. Before we get to the final two scenes of the movie, we, we kind of skipped over when his friends beat the shit out of him too, but um, I think we got that covered. You yeah. got it covered because they're they're cops. The friends are cops. They beat the shit out of our delinquent. I, brief, I briefly covered that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's sorry, yeah. you're right. You did. So we could skip over that. The delinquent youths become great cops, great warriors. I, I said great soldiers before. Well, no, no, they don't because they're corrupt as fuck. You're right. They've you're right. You're right. They've been elevated to a position of power and they're corrupt in, as fuck. In Stanley Kubrick's slightly dystopian, but more than not realistic. Mm. Um, they're good recruitment tools and people think they can use some behaviorism on these cops to get them to behave. But ultimately deep down, they just want to beat the shit out of the people they want to beat the shit out of. Maybe yeah. that's a statement they take. Okay. So anyway, before we get into the final two scenes, let me come, let me circle back to the beginning here. Do you think the first third of the movie set up Alex getting kicked out of his house by his parents after he comes out of jail because they have the new ward, his friends beating the shit out of him, the, the Ludovico, the prison stuff. Did that make these scenes so tense? Or do you think they could have got there a different way? I, to some extent, yes. I feel like they didn't need to drum it home for as long as they did. Okay. Um, they could have, there could have been one or two less scenes to move that along. Nice. But yeah. I love it. I, I, it did contribute, but it contributed, like at some point it stopped contributing. And it was just like, look at this glorified violence. All right. I didn't mean to be interviewing you this whole thing, but I'm really fascinated by what it's like to have not seen this movie and heard people yeah, talk about it. It was, it was, I've heard so much about this and then so many to podcasts, see it, I was like, mm. so many podcasts and articles are, are like, it's as if everybody's been having the same conversation for 50 years and it's like time for their presentation of it. And so it's just good to get a fresh perspective. Okay. So the second <laughs> to last scene is he's locked in the room and they're playing Ludwig van really loud and he's going crazy because of the Ludovico technique and the behaviorism. And so he jumps out. And tries to kill himself and doesn't. Any problems with that scene, or is that pretty much right on par? No, that was right on par. That All was right. that was yeah. Final I scene. Mean, Sorry, but again, ahead. I'm not sure what the point was there. Was it to get him in hospital, or did, was that at that point was he no, trying they, to kill him? It was Game of Thrones. They wanted to kill him. Okay. They wanted to kill him. So that kind of that kind of contradicts where like what their ambitions were, because that guy did in in the end want to kill him. You're right. They wanted to kill. Yes, you're right. They wanted to kill him. I forget if they said this explicitly. They wanted to kill him and then just blame the government for it. And I don't think they really... Forgive me, everybody. Roast us. Again, roast us on socials. Please, they, we love the roast. No, basically, it was the treatment. They wanted the treatment. They wanted to discount. Then, therefore, discount the government. Well, they wanted to say the government's yeah. just trying to... Um, they're they're trying to... Look at this treatment the government sponsored. It's wrong. Yeah, and the macro and of therefore that... And the, therefore, the government is wrong. And the macro of that is the government just familiar? wants the government is trying to get everybody to behave. They're they're trying to get everybody to do what they want. They want control Dude, it's, over it's people. It's like nothing changed. I'm actually not going to buzz you because you're right. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. That's why. That's, I mean, this you, if you're calling up, that out in the '70s, like what the fuck? This movie's fucked up. But sometimes art can get us there. And I don't know how many people are going to watch this for the first time and make that connection that, that need to hear it. But it's good to know that it's out there. But that's that's the truth. That's the truth. Hmm. So let's get into the final scene. And forgive me. Is it the prime minister who goes into that hospital room? I, I the they say the minister, yeah, was, right? Yeah. They say the minister. I think it was the guy who okayed the treatment. The guy who okayed the treatment. So he's not the prime minister. Sorry. Okay. Fuck. I'm gonna get roasted. I should have looked this up before I started a podcast about this. This yeah, movie. To be honest, it wasn't that clear. It's it just says minister. Yeah. 
There's also conspirator. There's all these like things, but let's go ahead and assume it's somebody very important to the government. Now, this final scene has been shat on a lot because of the popping with the mouth opening. It's a trying to be funny. Um, Every single angle of the scene has been covered and, and it's very inconclusive, which you can imagine is the point with the exception of the final line, which is also the final line in the book of chapter six. Mm. If you exclude chapter seven, um, which is, Oh, I was, I was changed. All right. Or I was, no, sorry. No, oh, I, I was, was, cured, I was all right. cured. All right. So basically what they've done is they've taken um, that line and changed its context from the book because what I got from that was, yeah, he's cured all right of everything they tried to do to him. He's going right back to where he was. I think the line was actually kind of ambiguous in the book, but you're right because there's another chapter in the original book. Yeah. Um, the irony, the irony of that being the last line of the movie and Kubrick saying, Oh, I only had the American version when I wrote this adaptation is he was living in the UK at the time. I, I think he just wanted, Kubrick? I think he was. Yeah, he was. Oh, what's for you? I think he was fucking with Anthony Burgess. I think he wanted this version for his uh-huh. own purse. But he was like, oh, it's too late. I already did the screenplay based on this and yada, yada, yada. But it's like, I, I, he knew what he was. This is not a guy who, this is a guy who NASA contacted and said, is there a mole in NASA? How are you figuring out how to do gravity in space? We've been working on that for five years. Like, this is not somebody, he spent four years on the set, the set construction of the miniatures of, of clockwork, of, um, of 2001. 2001. This, is not, this is not somebody who only read one version of this book that he was adapting into a movie. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. So let's, <laughs> so let's get into the last scene. Alex is on the hospital bed. He's basically a delinquent and he has the minister of the government feed him while he's making all of these weird comedic pops. And the government, the governor is ba- the minister, I should say, sorry, is trying to placate him and essentially trying to get, um, you know, a wink, wink understanding that they're cool. We're cool, right? Mm. That's the whole point of the scene. It's basically like, yeah, we're we, cool. We, we, we fixed you. We're cool. And a lot of people are like, well, he's the popping. What was the point of that? They're just trying to be funny. And again, Malcolm McDowell thinks he's in a comedy. Who knows if Stanley Kubrick wants it to be a comedy? I think one line that I wrote down is the minister of the gut, the, the minister, let's prime minister, whatever mm. you want to call him. The minister says, we always help our friends, don't we? <laughs> Mouth opens indicating he wants to be fed the minister feeds him and he says i'm glad we have an understanding between two friends that they'll exchange for an adequate life for a political we'll give you an adequate adequate life for being friends so it's essentially malcolm mcdowell fucking with the minister now which i think is brilliant and being like if we help our friends then you're going to help feed me while i'm in this hospital bed right and the minister has to feed him so it's proof that the government's totally full of shit they're totally they're they're not the other they're, they're just they're a sham they're all a sham they're all a mm. joke i think it's powerful what did you think of the final scene not much okay great <laughs> yeah it, it it went it went by on me i like it lost its it lost its power after the the scene where he threw himself out the window for me so like there was not much impact from the final scene for me at all to be honest this is funny because our co-host John and I got in an argument on this podcast where I said the ending of the movie doesn't matter for me because I've been on this long journey. I know what I feel. And if they want the thing to fall or not fall at the end of Inception, they can go fuck themselves because if it doesn't fall, it's a piece of shit. And if it does fall, it makes sense. So it falls. I don't care what you no, say. It doesn't make sense at all. You want to oh. go Inception? No, no, Dude, no, 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 no. Forget that's it, forget not it. even his totem. It's not his totem. 
Yeah, okay, you've said this before. You've said this before. Yeah. Okay, which is another thing. He just wants to, oh, Don't get yeah, me started. Uh, uh, Don't fuck uh, with me on Inception, just, man. I'll come just, at you. But who cares? <laughs> it ultimately, it doesn't, it doesn't change what I felt about Inception, whether or not it falls at the end. So that, that's just me. Fine. So John and I argue about the endings of the film. So this is funny because here I am sitting here and I'm like, well, the ending has been bit. And it's like, nah. Yeah. I was already out at that point. Like I was packing. I was looking for my jacket, <laughs> to be honest. Would, would it have helped you if you knew that the original ending is supposed to be that he goes back to the bar and he just gets bored of violence and he goes, fuck it. Also, there's a newspaper article that he's I, reading in the, I in feel the like Sorry, go ahead. If, I, if I'd known that ending, like the, the extra ending, the, the British ending, that would have infuriated me at the movie. It's like, well, why isn't it there? Like, why was that cut? That's important to the story. Ding, 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 ding. All the Brits, man, they were like, fuck it. And I think that's part of the reason Kubrick was like, fine, just get rid of it in, in London because everybody was giving him such a piece of shit. Most of the copycat stuff was happening in England anyway, not in America. Yeah. Um, which is funny because now it would definitely be in America. Fuck yeah. In the newspaper, I actually think it was the dad reading the newspaper, but it might have been Alex at the end. No, I think it was the, I think mm. it was the dad. There's a newspaper headline that says, John wins car by working. I'm going to say it again just so everybody's clear. The newspaper headline is John wins car by working. Which he didn't win the car. He earned the money to make a car because he has yeah. a job. It's very clearly a statement on class, <laughs> on that kind of stuff. Or maybe it's on society. Like there there is there's there's so much yeah, I, I like there's this so much. Marty, like that, and that's that's the thing. Like that's why I both like I the, the takeaway from this is I love and hate this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would you put it? AFI has it like at number seventy on their list of the one hundred greatest films. I think it has like a. I just looked at this. It has a seventy-seven Metacritic's, eight point three IMDb. What do you think? I I feel like I don't know. For a modern audience, this is going to be a hard watch. Uh, I feel like it probably is something you should see and take away from like yourself if if you want to learn something from cinema. This is definitely something to teach you a lot, especially about subtext and writing. Um, not maybe the first third of it, but the rest of it, there is definitely like, or it's possible the subtext was there and I just didn't know what the subtext was in the first third of it. Right. But it, it's, yeah, this is definitely something, if nothing else, it's going to make you think. I think so too. And right. I mean, that's, that's the best reason to watch something that has ever been invented. So. Cheers. Hmm. it's our gush alarm dave is gushing at the end of the movie here like he's just finishing up his oscar speech well that's it for me dave anything else you want to say about the film that we didn't get to no i I think we covered everything didn't know we'd go an hour on this thing but i was just happy to without john how did we possibly do it without john right yeah this would have this this would have gone for four hours like the original cut if john was here without john your word (laughs) count has gone up significantly um (laughs) Sorry, that's for me. Sorry, John. It's because I wait what for him I to kidding? finish. What am I kidding? What am I kidding? John's not listening. Yeah, he's to not this. here. Fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> he's producing a student film, which means he's testing out his managerial uh, skills right now. Um, okay. Good luck, students. Yeah, good luck, students. <laughs> okay. Should we do our usual way of rounding this down? Thank you, everybody. Please Let's like, subscribe. We have a couple series. We have, I should have seen that by now. We have new movies and new films that we talk about. And then, um, was it really that bad where 
with our drinking game where we're drinking and stuff. It, We've uh, not done it that in a while. Us. We haven't yeah. done it. Well, the last couple of times really uh, stained our liver a little bit. So let's 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 quickly let's quickly <laughs> get some. Re-app. Let's quickly do a what you've been watching slash. Assuming people are going to be watching this in the future since it's a time capsule fill, maybe a recommendation or something. Dave, we always start with you. Why change it now? I've uh, actually on HBO Max this week they dropped uh, Fringe again, so I'm going through my Fringe rewatch because. God, after after the first six episodes, that show really kicks in and finds its feet, and it just never stops until season the end of season four. Mm-hmm. Season five sucks. Shit. Don't watch season five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, would you give really quick? Would you give a recommendation for people who have seen a Clockwork Orange? Something else that they could recommend, which is sort of the initial conceit of our podcast two years ago. Jeez, is there anything that's like this? No. <laughs> yeah. No. Think, think about it while I talk. What I would say so is fuck you for asking the question. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happened since you set buzzers up for all of us um i've been watching station 11 and station 11 the whole 10 hours if i knew i had to commit to 10 hours but there were a couple episodes where i was like Ugh, but then i'm really happy i went mm. through it it's really great have you and, have you watched peacemaker yet no because i've been doing you station have, 11 but i know dude, you, you've got to watch peacemaker it yeah, is james gunn it. back in his like it's almost like slither level dialogue or super nice. or something like it's yeah it's it's rough as shit and it's fucking hilarious yeah, and the I've opening the opening credits dance number i want to learn <laughs> yeah you've talked about that okay cool I, I will definitely watch that my last recommendation is watch paths of glory if you especially if you're a kubrick fan if yeah. you haven't seen it it's a renter we watched it i'll go ahead and say this he would have never gotten the leeway to do lolita into Dr. Strangelove, into 2001, into this, into fucking Barry Lyndon, into Shining. I think that's his order. He never would have gotten away with that if Pads of Glory wasn't so great. And it is a little satirical, but it might be a renter. It's highly worth Not it. Not too and then, satirical, though. That, one, that one's pretty heavy. And then go ahead and listen to, a, I think, our first podcast. Our first yes, it was. episode. Uh, we put that up against 1917 as something yeah. you, might wanna, you might enjoy. If you like 1917, watch Pads of Glory. Is it bad so. that I know that? <laughs> no, I remember it pretty well too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember the other two movies? Uh, Little Women and Pride and Prejudices and Zombies. Was that not the next week? That was the same episode. I think that was the same episode. That's right. And episode two was. Um, episode two was. I don't know. I remember we did Hellboy. That was episode two. <laughs> <laughs> Cats was the wasn't really that bad in episode one. And we did a royal affair. Cats is yeah, okay, cool. Those are all anyway, go Pass yeah. of Glory, go watch it. It's a renter probably, but just it's really great. Especially if you're a Kubrick fan. If you haven't seen it, go go watch Pass of Glory. Mm. Alright. Let's send it off there. Dave, pr- pleasure doing business with you. Yeah. Alright. See you next week. Bye, film fans. <laughs> <laughs>